Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Yeah, where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We're your hosts. I'm Dean. And I'm Caritas. Caritas, today we're going to talk about how did Jesus do it? Ooh, how did Jesus do it? I like that. You made a statement last week. I did. You did. I I said something. (laughs) You said something great. Let me read it. I wrote it down. Oh, it must have been good if Dean wrote it down. (laughs) I refuse to justify anything in my life that is less than Christ. Oh, yeah. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to take it further. All right. That's going to be... Into the unknown. It's going to be exciting. Into the unknown. (laughs) No one knows where this is going to end. (laughs) If this podcast is encouraging to you, consider hitting like and subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that notification bell. Ding. Next does make, time. Does it make a ding? It doesn't. I don't think so. It's silent, actually. Oh, that's kind of... But then you'll be notified when we do a new post. Or notificated. Notificated. <laughs> You're still remembering that, too, are you? From last week? <laughs> uh, so, Dean. Yes. I have a good question for you. Okay. You spent most of your life in worship ministry? Yes, I did. Right? Yeah, yeah, most of your life. What is the most amusing or one of the most amusing things that's ever happened whilst up on stage? Because there, there had to have been something like that many years. You're talking up like there, live. Live. Like on you know. stage, something happens. Yeah. Come on. Off the top of your head, you got anything? Okay. <laughs> anything juicy? Yes. Okay. So, so a few years ago, a group of friends and I went to lead worship at a little vineyard church downtown Vancouver. Okay. So we start leading worship. In the middle of the second song, we were kind of building up to this big bridge part. Mm-hmm. It was go. It was going there. Yeah, <laughs> we were going up. <laughs> but I'm I'm guessing something happened. <laughs> All right. So this guy got super inspired. Yeah. And he got out of his chair. Now you have to realize, vineyard people, they're all bare feet, right? Oh. This is a dusty hardwood. Room floor. Mm-hmm. He gets up out of his chair and he runs to the front and he grabs a flag because there's a bunch of flags in a flag holder and he starts running around the room, the circumference of the room. Oh, yeah. He was feeling it. He was feeling it. Mm-hmm. His flag was billowing out behind him. I just remember him running and I remember the flag just was. Whoo. Oh, yeah. That's majestic. It almost seemed like he was in slow motion. And yeah. He went around twice. And here we were, we're just getting ready. Uh-huh. You're like, this is good. They're feeling it. Oh, Holy around. Spirit here. He rounds the front aisle and he comes down the middle aisle towards us. And his eyes are closed and his flag is going. And he opens his eyes and he's too close to the front to make the <laughs> turn. <laughs> he trips on the stairs. His no. flag goes flying out of his hands. Hits our lead singer. Oh, no. Square across the face, knocks his glasses off onto the floor. And he just keeps coming. Like he just kept falling. He can't stop the momentum. (laughs) He just, he wiped out our second guitar player's pedal board. (laughs) And he stopped about six inches in front of my feet. That's where he ended. (laughs) We were just like, what just happened? (laughs) Our whole song just kind of. <laughs> Almost like you would oh, pull man. a plug out of an electric socket. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> it was pretty hard to continue after that. 
Oh, that's good. The big moment just vanished. Was anyone injured in this? No one was injured. Okay. Uh, he got up. He yeah. dusted himself off. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Picked up the flag. And kept running. <laughs> now he went back to his seat and just sat there. Uh. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. There's a few others, but we'll save we'll, them. We'll wait. We'll, we'll, we'll save ease, them for another time. He's into the epic worship stories. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so many things happen, and when it's in front of a live audience, there's nothing you can do. You've got to roll with it. You've got to roll with mm-hmm, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Jesus ever had any of those moments. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, we just won't write this one down. <laughs> there were many things that happened, too many to fit in all the books of the world. Some random woman in one of Jesus' evangelistic outreach moments piped up from the back and said something like, blessed are the breasts that nursed you or something like oh, yeah. that. <laughs> and, and yelled from the back row. Is that where the crickets chimed? Everyone's awkwardly like, did she just say that out loud? <laughs> she did say it. I'm sure Jesus had moments like that too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's good. So today. So today. We're in awe of Jesus. Always. Mm. We're going to talk about Jesus and how he did life. And there's a couple of things I was thinking about this week. I'm particularly in awe of Jesus in two areas. First of all, he lived a sinless life. Mm. And then second of all, of course, the miracles that he did off the charts. Mm. The amount of insight that he had, the amount of knowledge that he had, every situation that he came across, he had an answer. He knew what to do. Every time he came across somebody that was sick, he seemed to have insight to know how to unlock their miracle. All the things that he did, just crazy. We want to talk about how he did that today. So we're going to take a deep dive. Hopefully we can discover some hidden clues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Deep dive. Right off the deep end. Off the deep end. Are we going to the high dive? You know, there's the the two choices. The highest diving board. The low low board or the high board. High board. So let's talk about the phrase, well, Jesus did that because he was God. Oh, this is a deep dive. Yeah, I I hear that one a lot. Yeah. Well, that was Jesus. Yeah, he was God. that That was him. He was God. Of course he did that. He was God. Mm. So where does that statement take you in your mind when you hear it? I feel like if that's what we believe, where does that leave us? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's impressive and all, mm-hmm. but where's the example for us then? Yeah. And when I hear that, the first question that comes to my mind is, who told you that? Where, is yeah, that? where did that come from anyway? Who said, well, Jesus did that because he was God. Mm-hmm. Jesus did all those amazing things because he was God. Jesus lived a sinless life. Oh, of course, he was God. Yeah. Jesus did all those miracles. Of course he did. He was oh. God. Yeah. All the amazing things that Jesus taught. Well, of course, he was a teacher. He was God. Yeah. It's important to be careful about what voice we're listening to, mm-hmm. Where to actually ask, where did I hear that? Because mm-hmm. never once do I see in the word Jesus elevating himself and lowering us. He says, as I am, so are you. Yeah. Be holy Yeah. as I am holy. Be perfect as the Father is perfect. Yeah. I'm just a sinner. Where does he ever say that about you? Yeah, you can't find it anywhere, can you? So I want to start off Mm -hmm. with a scripture. This is one of my favorites. Okay. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a bondservant, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus emptied himself. Yeah. When he came down from heaven, he emptied himself of everything that was God in him, and he left it behind mm. periodically, came to earth. It says he was found in form of a man. So he was born, he grew up, yeah. a kid. He didn't just come as a 30-year-old grown man. Alakazammed himself onto earth. Kazam, here I am. Sam, here I am. He put himself inside the womb of a woman, started mm-hmm. there, like from scratch. Right. He laid it all down and was born, went through those toddler years, lost all the baby teeth. Terrible twos. <laughs> <laughs> and the awkward teen years, you know, the voice cracking and some acne here and there, I'm sure. <laughs> And had to wait till he was in his 30s, right? Before mm-hmm. really starting his 30 years old ministry. Yeah. Like, that's powerful when you really think about where he was and how much he laid down and put aside. You hear stories about people who go to heaven, and even when they're there for a few minutes already, they don't want to come back because mm-hmm. it's so wonderful there. Yeah. Peaceful, mm-hmm. no pain, everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Streets of gold. Yep. Pearls and jewels. No way do I want to go back there. But Jesus did the opposite. He was there and he came here, Hmm. laid it all down, laid it all aside. It says he found himself. That means at some point in time he discovered, here I am in the form of a man. Hmm. Quite young too, probably, right? Sure, yeah. There was that moment when his parents felt like they lost him. Yeah. He was hanging out in the temple courts or something, wasn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Confounding the rabbis. Yeah. Yeah, he said, I must be about my father's business. Yeah. So at that point in time, he already knew. Mm-hmm. So he laid it all down and identified as the son of man. Cretus, in the Gospels, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man 80 times. Wow, 80 times. 80 times. Now, there is a reference to him as son of God, but only 10 times. But 80 times as the son of man, Jesus identified with his manhood way more than he ever identified with his godhood. Not that he wasn't God. I'm not taking that away from him at all. Mm -hmm. He was God and he is God, Mm -hmm. but he identifies even now as son of man because when John saw him in the book of Revelation, John said, I see somebody like the son of man. Mm -hmm. So even in heaven, he's identifying as son of man. Mm -hmm. God is one third human. He morphed himself from his beginning of God, the word and the spirit Now in the new covenant, it's God the Father. So God has revealed himself as Father. Jesus, the Son, is Mm. the Word now, the Son, human DNA, and now the Holy Spirit. So God took on one-third human DNA to redeem us. That's pretty powerful. And it says a lot about his love for us, too. How much do you have to love someone to do that? That's pretty intense. Yeah, the amount of love is off the charts. So in Jesus' earthly mission... He became human. He laid aside anything that might be considered a superpower. He took on the form of a born-again person. So there's only one difference between us and Jesus. Jesus was born, born again. Yeah. (laughs) We need to believe on him and receive him as our savior to be born again. Yeah. Jesus was born that way. Yeah. I think it's easy to think you're just born into being a Christian. Well, my whole family's a Christian. I've gone to church my whole life, but we're not born into the born again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like there's a point in your life where you need to make a decision there. Yeah, we talked about that last week, how the moment we're born again is the moment where eternal life starts for us. So before that, we were in eternal death. 
But Jesus was born in the condition of eternal life. He was mm. born that way because yeah. he was directly fathered from God, just like Adam was, actually. That's why Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. So what one man failed to do, Jesus came and accomplished. And knocked out of the ballpark, knocked by the way. The ballpark, yeah. <laughs> so Jesus did it as a born-again person. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, we know that you're from God because nobody could do the works that you do if they weren't from God. The first thing Jesus said is, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus was actually saying was, dude, I'm born again. I'm doing this from the position (laughs) of being born again. Uh So Jesus did it with the same toolbox, if you like, that we have. That gives me an even higher respect for him than I think I've ever had. I mean, if he did it as God, I'm super impressed. Yeah. But if he did it in the condition of a born again human being, yeah, empowered, my res- empowered, empowered by, by the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit, my respect is off the charts for yeah, that. Yeah. There's nothing to say. There's nothing you can take away from him. Mm. He is the hero. And he empowered us to walk as he walked. Yes, he did. Deny yourself. Everything that's a part of yourself mm-hmm. outside of me, everything a part of yourself that was born into Adam, mm-hmm. not born again into me, yeah. deny it. What I found personally is when I start just believing him and everything he says about us in this new creation life, all of the things that I used to identify with, it starts to just feel off. What felt so natural just starts to feel unnatural. Mm -hmm. It's not like this effort and striving. I'm trying not to be like that anymore. Do that. You just start noticing it effortlessly. That's the thing about Jesus. He lived such an effortless, restful life. That it's crazy to think that we could actually move into that same place. Yeah. Did you know that the Greek word born again actually translated directly is born from above? We are born from above. Yeah. So I'll just backtrack again and I'll just say Jesus did life in the condition of a born again person. And he put self-imposed limitations on himself. He didn't pull that God card out of the pack of cards and, and use it. He didn't pull tools out of the toolbox that weren't in our toolbox. Mm. He did life like we would have to do it. Yeah. He said, greater things you will do. Yes. Because I'm going to the Father. Mm -hmm. We've got the Holy Spirit. Yep. He's in us. We're in him. We're seated in heavenly places. Yes. Even when he was about to die, he told the Roman soldiers that he could call 10,000 angels. Mm. That's the God card. But he refused to put his hand in that toolbox Mm. the whole time that he was here on earth. If he would have... The devil is such a legalist that he would have forever contested our redemption. Mm. He would have said, yeah, of course you defeated me, but you were God. Jesus defeated the devil as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Even though he was God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He laid it down. He emptied himself. He came down. He was found in the form of a man, and he did life as the son of man. Hmm. Dean, Yep. mic drop. You landed up way over here. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I have another verse to read here. Hebrews 2.17. I really like this one. So he had to be made like people, fully human in every way. Then he could serve God as a kind and faithful high priest. And then he could pay for the sins of the people by dying for them. That Mm -hmm. makes it pretty clear. Almost black and white. Very black and white. (laughs) He had to be made like us in every way. 
Wow. So then he could serve as the high priest and then he could die for our sins. Mm. He did it as a human. Mm. And that way our redemption was sealed and there was nothing the devil could say about it for eternity. Mm. Jesus beat him fair and square. He showed us what it would look like in our own life, surrendered to the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in step with him. Yeah. He demonstrated what that could look like. He said, follow me. Look at this. Bam. <laughs> look at this. Yeah. Look at this life. It's available for you. Are you going to follow me? Do you want to? It's good. It's worth it. So worth it. So how did Jesus do it? He I tried think- really hard and gritted his teeth. <laughs> No. How did Jesus do it? Well, he said, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah. So he did it in rest. But I think we can find some clues. Okay. I think we're so in awe of Jesus because we spend so much time looking at ourselves. When we put our eyes on ourselves, we're never going to see much good. Mm. But I think we need to take our eyes off ourselves and put them on him because that way we can see the purity of what he did and some of how he did it. And I think it starts to show through some of these cracks. Yeah. People have been debating about this for 2,000 years. Mm. So we're just going to take a stab at something here. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. No angry emails, please. <laughs> yep. So, Cretus, Dean. The first thing I think Jesus did is I think he did it through identity. Oh, snap. Even when he came up, when he was baptized out of the water, This voice speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. That's in Matthew. In Mark and in Luke, it says, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. So it's personal. So he did it through identity. Right from the get-go. Right from the get-go. He knew who he was. He knew the voice of the Father over him. Mm -hmm. And that was the voice he was listening to. That's the voice he went with. Mm -hmm. Because... Right after that moment, he was taken into the wilderness, right? Yes, he was. And the first things that were questioned was, are you really? The devil said to him, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Right away, he started to question what God had just said over him. The first three temptations that Jesus went through, there were four of them that are recorded. Mm -hmm. But the first three of them, the devil started by saying, if you are the son of God, Mm -hmm. do this, this, and this, and this. So I've heard people say, Jesus defeated the devil because he knew the word so well. Beat him over the head with the Bible, kind of, or the Torah. (laughs) The Torah. But I don't know if that was what was happening. Mm. The devil was tempting Jesus with some pretty ridiculous things. Turn these stones into bread. You're hungry. You're on a fast. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) duh. Would any of us even fall for that? (laughs) He took him up onto the pillar of the temple, Mm -hmm. and he said, if you are the son of God, cast yourself down. I don't know. And a weak, weak attempt. Weak attempt. That was a weak yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> what Jesus was speaking to when he quoted the word is he was speaking to the identity. He was speaking to the mm-hmm. question, if you are the son of God. Mm-hmm. What he was doing is he was standing firm in his identity. So his answer to the question was actually, yes, I am the son of God. Yes, the father did speak it over me. And no, I'm not going to turn these stones into bread. Yeah. He didn't have to prove anything. No, he didn't have to prove a thing. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing I noticed in his life is he didn't ever have this feeling where he had to defend himself or had to prove something or had to, you know, have the last word. He was so sure in who he was. Jesus believed in what the Father said, and he lived in a rock-solid identity the whole time. Mm -hmm. There's that one scripture where he says he was tempted at every point. Yes, he was tempted in every way as we are. When I read that, I feel like he was tempted. The devil was 
tempting him, but Jesus was never tempted Mm -hmm. because he was so secure in who he was. I heard somebody say just recently that if we knew who we were and if we knew who the Father had made us to be, each one of us individually, there's no way that we would ever sin. Sin wouldn't even hold an allure to us if we really knew who we were. So I really feel like in the wilderness with those temptations, Jesus was just standing on his identity. And that's a place of rest. Yes, it is. He just stood on the word of the Father. He was beloved. He was loved. Jesus was, I am. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, but he didn't need a tag after it. Yeah. Didn't need a, I am a. Yeah. That's what we tend to do, right? Yeah. We identify with all these things in life Mm -hmm. so easily and they're not bad or evil or anything, but they're just breakable or weak. They can be touched by things. Mm -hmm. And if your identity's in it. If something touches the thing. The thing that you're identified with, for example. It touches your identity. If your identity's in your nationality, what happens if some megalomaniac comes and wipes your country off the face of the earth? Mm -hmm. But your identity was your nationality. Who am I? Where do I fit in this world? Yeah. Because I am a blank, right? Yeah. I am Icelandic. I am Icelandic. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's pride in a lot of um, nationality claims too. I feel like being a parent or being whatever your career is, Mm -hmm. identified in your career, or I'm married or I'm single, I'm male or I'm female, um, my race, my ethnicity, all those things. Paul says it is no longer I who lives, Mm -hmm. but Christ who lives in me. So if any of the identifying factors in his life are touched, his identity isn't touched. That's in Galatians 2. In Galatians 3, he says, there's neither Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then when he's writing to the people in Colossia, (laughs) he says, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of God, where there's neither Jew, Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythians, some type of people, Scythians, (laughs) slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. So if our identity is in Christ and he's all and in all, then all these other things that we used to identify with, our marriage, our job, our kids, our personality type, oh, there's all these numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, our culture, our race, our sexuality, all these things that are so frail and, and weak, we can use these things in our body to glorify him, but we should only identify with Christ in us. Yeah. You have such a strong revelation of identity. That's one thing I appreciate about you. You carry that so strongly. It's just getting putting it out in words is a whole other yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other story. But yeah, to be one in Christ, like there's no male or female, no Jew or Greek. Those are pretty intense statements, especially back then. Nationalistic is what they are. The Greeks were really big on their nationality yeah. as well. Yeah. To say I am a Greek at that point in time, or I am a Roman, or I'm a Jew. It's like telling an American not to identify as an American. Well yeah. <laughs> You can be an American, you can be a Canadian, you can be, you know, an Icelander, but just use that to glorify him Mm -hmm. because you actually are from another kingdom. How can you be touched if you've denied yourself? How can you be offended? How can your rights be violated (laughs) if you've denied yourself? So I have a thought. It just came to me as you were talking. I think one of the most underrated tools in our toolbox when it comes to defeating sin in our life is a rock solid identity. Mm. You want to elaborate on that? It's good. It's good. I think what I mean is when we understand who we are, when we understand how much we're loved, when we understand how valued we are by the Father, 
Sin doesn't have an appeal anymore. Yeah, it's not like you're trying not to sin. It just isn't appealing. Because it's not appealing because... You've encountered love. You've encountered love. And yeah. love does no harm to another. Love is selfless. So when you've encountered him and his love, and you've been born again into this new life, like, you're right, there's no appeal. Nothing compares. It's like, oh, that wasn't me, you know? It's like putting on a shirt that's too small. <laughs> it just feels wrong. There are some verses in the Bible that talk about that. First John 3, verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin because God's seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. What does that even mean? <laughs> I just want to say something about identity. The essence of identity is family. So when we're born of God, we're born into a family. The family identity of the family of God puts us in a position where we don't sin. We can't sin. We can't practice sin because we're born into that. Yeah. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus lived in such a strong identity that sin had no appeal to him. And I feel like that's what this verse is saying here. So identity is a very powerful sin-defeating yeah. force. Game changer. Game changer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have a game changer sound effect, but we could do a Mysterion. There we go. Yes. Our experiences and our behaviors will change and they'll start to align yes. with him when we start to believe what he says. It's just a natural response to his goodness. Yeah. I actually wrote a little list this week. I'd like to hear okay, it. Listen to this list. Okay. I'm there. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so here's some of the things he says that we can choose to believe Okay. about who he says we are Okay. in him. Yep. I am a royal priesthood. I am alive to God. I am part of the bride. He has freely given me all things. I am prepared for God's works. I am protected. I am light in the Lord. I am a warrior. Christ indwells me with all of his fullness. I am the wise and the witness. I am the beloved. I am a saint. I am sanctified. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm a vessel of glory. I'm resurrected, highly favored, a servant of God, saved. I'm a vessel of honor. I am sealed and I am justified. He is for me, not against me. Mm. I am his body. I am the temple of God. I am transformed and I am the sheep of his pasture. I'm purified, seated with him in heavenly places. I share his authority. I'm qualified to share the inheritance of the saints. I love that verse. Should I keep going? <laughs> I yeah, I'm qualified to share the inheritance of the saints. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Yeah. So all these things he says about us and more. You have more. Oh, oh, there's more. We don't have to sell cheap. We don't have to believe these things we've always been told or thought we had to believe about ourselves. You know, he wants what he paid for. Mm. I am a sound mind. I am ordained. I am holy and without blemish, a bride without spot or wrinkle. I am a person of God. I have the mind of Christ. I'm worthy of the Lord. Mm. I am his fullness. I am a child of light. I'm bold as a lion. I walk in union with the Lord. I am chosen. I'm inseparable from the love of God. I'm a jewel in his eye. Everything works in my favor. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Mm. I'm declared holy. I'm declared dead to sin. I'm created for goodness. I'm a co-heir with Christ, created for good works, a person for his possession, hidden in him, enriched, faithful, gifted. I'm the habitation of God the elect, a disciple, blameless, baptized into Christ and his death. Uh, there's more. I should just stop. Us, you, should turn, <laughs> you should turn this into a blog. I am blessed. I'm the light of the world. I'm yeah. living by faith, made in his image, more than a conqueror, anointed, mm. the apple of God's eye. I am mm -hmm. free. 
it goes on. When he says these things about us, mm-hmm. and the enemy comes and says, you know, as God said, if you're really free, then, you know, all these little. <laughs> Think about what got us into trouble in the first place. Did he really mean that you'll die? Surely you won't die if you eat this. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that the first humans on our planet questioned what God said. They had second thoughts. Yeah, like, yeah. oh. But Jesus, when the devil questioned what God said to him, immediately he was yeah. like, no, nonsense. Think, I'm going with what the Father said. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going with it. I'm rolling. I'm rolling with uh, it. All my eggs are in his basket. <laughs> That's right. So I feel like a lot of what Jesus did in defeating sin and living a sinless life flowed out of identity. Yeah. yeah. Way more than we give it credit for. It sounds so, so simple, but we somehow managed to make it very long and drawn out. <laughs> We've made it long and drawn out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, to summarize, identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's another clue, I think. Jesus did it by grace. So let me explain what I mean by that. The way that we live above sin in our life is by not trying to keep law, but living in grace. Mm. I heard it put that grace is like God's empowering presence within us. Yeah, so grace is the empowering presence of God in us to do what we couldn't do on our own strength Mm. and to do it in his strength. When Paul had a thorn in the flesh, when he had a weakness, he said, I glory in my weakness. I love the statement, grace eats weakness for breakfast. (laughs) Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) Scrumptious. I never considered before that in my own life, my weakness is not a threat to God. It's actually something that he wants. And when I give it to him, In turn, what he does is he gives me grace in its place. Mm. So he wants my weakness. The more weakness I offer to him, the more grace he can pour back into me. Mm. Weakness is not a bad thing when we turn it over to him. Mm -hmm. He replaces it with grace. Yeah, take our eyes off our weakness and just put them on him. He'll deal with it. (laughs) So Jesus was a man, the son of man. I have a question. Did Jesus have weaknesses? Oh, snap. Hmm. Well, no, because he was maybe, God. Maybe chocolate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I bet he had weaknesses just like we did. And I bet he was constantly offering them to God and receiving grace in their place to help him overcome and live life above the line of sin. I think we're so used to weakness being so much a part of our mindset and our identity and something we carry. But what if you have weakness, but you actually don't ever carry it? Like he says, my yoke is easy. Like what if he never carried it on his shoulder? And it was always just this immediate response to look at the father. Yeah. Turn it over to him. Yeah. Humble yourself under the hand of God. Cast Mm -hmm. all your cares on him. Then he gives grace to the humble. That's another way of saying it, right? So when we carry stuff that we're not supposed to be carrying, we're out of the realm of grace. So there is a verse that I want to read. I just discovered this verse a few months ago. Hebrews 2.9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Once again, there's that humanity of him, right? Mm, yeah. Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He did it by grace. I guess I always knew that I needed grace. Yeah. And that we need grace. And that we need to live in the reality of grace in our life. Mm-hmm. But I never considered that Jesus did it through grace. Mm-hmm. But why would he do it any differently than we did it? He was the son of man. Yeah, He needed the same thing that we need 
to bring himself up above that line. Yeah. To bring himself into the place of constant victory. Well, and it took away the, well, that was Jesus. It took away that separateness between us and him. Mm-hmm. Uncrossable, right. void of us mere humans and him, God. But you know, when Paul says something like, you're acting like mere humans. Mm-hmm. Like that always strikes me. Like you would say Jesus wasn't just this mere human. He mm-hmm. was fathered by God. So are we. Yes. We're born again. Yeah. No, now you're not mere humans. A mere human couldn't relate to Jesus. But if you've been born again, just like how he was born. Mm-hmm. Born from above. Oh, that's something to think about. So when it comes to grace, the opposite of grace is law. So what does impress me about Jesus is that he said, I have come to fulfill the law every single jot and tittle, he said. So every dotted I and every cross T. There's only one way to fulfill the law, and that's through a life of grace. So what did Jesus do? He made this crazy statement in Matthew, Matthew 7, 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So Jesus took five books of the law and all the prophets, and rather than trying to keep all these rules and regulations and do all this stuff, he boils it down to one statement, one simple statement. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. This is the essence of all the law and the prophets. Mm. So then he fulfills the law by living a sinless life, but he did it by grace. He offered his weakness to God, and he received grace to lift him up into the heavenly places so that he could live that life like that. And the crazy thing is that we've been given the exact same thing. We've been given the identity and we've been given the grace. Yeah, which allows the transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Grace is the empowerment in our life to live above the law. Mm. So there's a second clue. Well, we live in the abundance of grace. We do. Super abundance. Once again, he's given us the same tools to work with that he had. He used them to perfection. Sometimes we get off track, but we have the same things. We have the same tools in our toolbox. Yeah. So just to recap, the first clue, I believe Jesus did it through identity. And the second clue, I believe Jesus did it through grace. Hmm. But there's still a couple more. Okay. Number three. Number three. Numero trois. Are you ready for this one? I don't know. They just keep getting better. Jesus did it by ascending and descending. Okay, well, so are you going to elaborate on this one, Dean? (laughs) Well, Jesus talked about ascending and descending a lot. But what I mean by that is that the prayer life of Jesus was pretty crazy. He was constantly slipping away to the wilderness to pray. Yeah, wait, where'd Jesus go again? (laughs) Nope, he's gone. Mm -hmm. I'll catch up to you guys later. Or he would go and he would spend all night on the mountain praying, it said. Yeah, Yeah. or the the disciples falling asleep while he's praying, like to stay up all night praying what is going on. (laughs) Yeah, and he did that all the time. Yeah. Reference after reference about Mm -hmm. Jesus slipping away and praying. Mm -hmm. What was he doing when he was praying for hours all night long? Yeah. And how could he come back the next day and not even be tired? Yeah. And carry on as if nothing had happened? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I stayed up all night praying... I'd be so tired the next morning, I wouldn't know what happened to me. (laughs) But Jesus did it over and over. He would disappear, he'd be gone, Mm. he'd be praying, he'd come back, and he'd be full on, and he'd heal everybody that came to him. Mm. So Jesus talked a lot about ascending and descending. He started his ministry off by saying to Nathaniel, Truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
So there's the Son of Man again. So once again, anything that the Son of Man did, like our opening statement, I don't want to justify anything in my life that's anything less than Christ. Mm -hmm. So if the Son of Man was ascending and descending, and if angels were ascending and descending on him, I don't want anything less in my life than that. When Jesus talked to Nicodemus, once again, he said, who is ascended but the Son of Man? And at that point in time, yeah. he hadn't died, he hadn't rose from the grave, he hadn't ascended to heaven then. So this is long before that point in time. No one is ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Once again, he talks about the Son of Man, mm. ascending and descending. Jesus constantly talked about, I am the one who has come down from heaven. I was thinking about that phrase the other day, I have come down from heaven. Was Jesus talking about him coming down from heaven from the Father when he was born? Or was Jesus talking about the fact that the night before he had been out praying, oh, he had ascended snap, into Jean. heaven, and he had just come back down from heaven? Huh. Which was it? One or the other. <laughs> mm, okay, okay, okay. I'm, uh, I'm feeling where you're going here. Okay. Yeah. So Jesus talked about that all the time. Listen to this. This is right after Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and everybody was offended. Yeah, who is this weirdo? Yeah. <laughs> We're out of here. This is sick. Yeah. Everybody was offended. They all left. And then Jesus said something. Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Yeah, the flesh was nothing. Oh, man. <laughs> eating my flesh and drinking my blood is nothing. What would you ever do if you would see me ascending to where I was mm. before? Mm. The idea of ascending and descending has always been offensive. It's always been on the edge. It's one, one of, of those, those mysterions. mysterions. Come on, yes. <laughs> And yeah, why are we so afraid of the mysterion? I think because we've seen it's like the mystical or the spiritual side of things get so twisted in the world that mm -hmm. then we don't want to touch it. But they took it from us. <laughs> they did take it from us. We just need to reclaim it back. Yeah. God is mysterious, and yet he reveals these things to us, yeah. and he's created everything. And even like astrology and all these things used in such like a off spiritual way, what did he get the wise men to follow? A star. Follow the star, you know, and Abraham's always looking up at the stars. And we see these things that are so perverted in the world and twisted, like, What's so powerful in that something doesn't want us to see it? The origins came from our faith. Yeah. And yeah. from our Bible. Yeah. So I don't think we need to be as afraid of the Mysterion as we, as we are. Yeah. I don't think God's like worried about us exploring him. When we explore with a pure heart mm -hmm. and pure motives, I don't know, as a parent, when I see my kids living that way, I'm not disappointed if they get it wrong. I think we think God's going to be so upset and disappointed if we go off a little bit. Yeah. I think he'll just redirect us like, yeah, maybe not this time. <laughs> nope, Dean, this way. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been thinking about this ascending, descending thing a lot. And I was wondering, is there any place in the scripture where it shows Jesus doing that? Or does he just talk about it? Mm. And then something came to me. Okay, we've put such a religious stereotype on this particular story, but I believe that this is where we finally get a glimpse of one of Jesus' ascending, descending moments. Okay. Okay? Okay, I'm ready. All right. And eight days after these sayings, Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Ooh. Mm -hmm. 
brought an audience. He brought an audience this time. Before he had always done it on his own. Now he brings three of his disciples. And now we finally get to see what was going on all this time. Mm -hmm. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were there talking with him. They were Moses and Elijah. So now Jesus is engaging with the cloud of witnesses. That escalated in a really good way. <laughs> who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but then they were fully awake and they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Then they kind of freak out a little bit. They freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to make some plans. Okay. Let's build some temples. Build a monument here. Build a monument. Do, yeah. do something with this. <laughs> and then a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And then a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. So then it was all over. So this is traditionally called the Mount of Transfiguration. And like I said, we have attached this huge stereotype to it. But really what was happening here is that Jesus took an audience with him this time. He took three of his disciples. He went up on a mountain and he started to pray. Mm -hmm. And when he started to pray, things started to happen. He started to encounter heaven. He started to ascend into these heavenly places. Mm. He started to shine. Yeah. It says it started with his face first. He became transformed and then his clothes started to shine. And then a cloud overshadowed them. And he started talking with some members of the cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then when it was all over, he was alone again and he was back down at earth. So I honestly believe that this story was never meant to be called the Mount of Transfiguration. It was meant to give us a glimpse into one of Jesus' overnight prayer vigils mm, and yeah, what he was wow. doing yeah. and how he was encountering so heaven. it wasn't just a one-time event. Here, no. look at this one cool thing I did. Yeah. It was, hey, check out what happens when we pray. That's right. What can happen with your face fixed on the Father? Yeah. Oh. Bam. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That sound was there, I'm sure, at some point. Oh. <laughs> I think that's what was happening over and over and over again. Jesus was spending his nights in the presence of this glory, in encounter with heaven, hmm. in encounter with the hosts of heaven the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Yeah. The Son of Man ascending to the heavenly places, coming back down to earth, descending again. Hmm. Jesus said, what would you ever say if you saw me ascending to where it was before? He said it would be super offensive. You'd never believe it. Jesus said, I have so many things to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. He was patient that way. He was. <laughs> Still is. So I want to talk about the atmosphere of heaven that Jesus would ascend into. And what would happen there in that glory? He would be glorified. He would be brought to a place where he was right there with the Father, where he was talking with him, where he was one-on-one -on -one with him. And I'm thinking that the oneness and the love that was developed in that place, the union that he developed with the Father, I'm thinking that it was such a strong point in his life that it took him through all kinds of situations that were rough, the things that came across his path that were so difficult, but he had just been in heaven. Yeah. It was that whole seeing the situation from that perspective yeah. versus being in that perspective and then trying to grasp at heaven and mm -hmm. like get there. So Jesus said, I say what the Father is saying, 
I see what he's doing and I do that. How did he hear the father like that? And how did he see the father doing the things yeah. that he did? Because he was constantly going there. He was going to the place where the father was. So I believe that the third key to Jesus doing what he did, especially in the area of miracles mm -hmm. and works and signs, was he would ascend to heavenly places and he would see what the father was doing and they would talk stuff over. Yeah. And then Jesus would come back and he would carry out what he saw in heaven here on earth. Mm -hmm. Jesus was ascending and descending into heavenly places the entire time that he was here on earth, I believe. Because of this, he developed such a tight bond of love with the Father that everything flowed out of that love. Yeah. I'm convinced we have no idea how close the relationship was between Jesus and the Father. I mean, Jesus constantly said, I and the Father are one, and even that was offensive. Mm -hmm. They tried to stone him over that one one time. But once again, I asked the question, did he say that because he was God? Or did he say that because he was the son of man? And if he did it as a son of man, is it possible that we could do the same thing? He was ascending and descending before the Father, and he pursued this tight-knit bond of love between the two of them. And in the end, it was a love that was so strong that it served as the key anchor point for our redemption. So that's my fourth point. Jesus did it through love, union, and intimacy with the Father. So the four points tonight were, he did it through identity. The second one is he did it by grace. The third one is he did it through his prayer life. And by that, I mean he was ascending and descending into heavenly places constantly. Mm -hmm. And the fourth one is he did it through intimacy, through union, and through love. I ran across a verse a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to read. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. And it's interesting to me how that verse starts with, for the Father loves the Son. So the central motivating factor for the Father showing the Son the works that he is going to do, it's not because the Father had compassion on the sick person so much, it's because the Father loved the Son, and he wanted to show him his secrets. So the whole motivation for everything came out of love. It reminds me of when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. I think it's easy to read that like, if you love me, you'll obey me. But it's like him and the Father, if you love me, you'll obey me. Mm -hmm. like, and so then when his father would show him something or say something, it was just like, okay, yeah. It was Let's just do this, it. Yeah, excitement mm -hmm. almost. Does the Father love us in the same way? Is it possible for us to cultivate the same type of union with the Father and with Jesus. Did Jesus use tools in his toolbox that we don't have access to? I don't think so. Yeah. He did it as a son of man. Did he set a high bar? Absolutely he did. <laughs> so high that it's mind-boggling. But that doesn't mean we can't go for it. Receive the love, receive the voice, Receive the identity. Mm -hmm. Receive you, the and grace. And you become all that he, all that he sees, all yeah. that he is in you. And as he is, so are, so are we in this world. Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Only you can do this, Justice Caritas. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, so that's where we leave it today. Okay. Wow. So four points. Four keys into how Jesus did it so how we could do it. That's right. 
So hope you've enjoyed it today. We've had a great time. Mm-hmm. Good conversation today. Hope you have an awesome week. We'll see you in a week's time. Bye. Bye.